Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell and I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest today, Dr. Diane Newmark-Steiner, is a professor in the Division of Epidemiology and Community Health in the School of Public Health and an adjunct professor in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Minnesota. She's one of the leaders in work on eating disorders and especially looking at the intersection of interest in eating disorders and obesity. She's published a great many peer-reviewed articles as a leading scientist and has written a book for parents and adolescents entitled, I'm Like So Fat, Helping Your Teen Make Healthy Choices About Eating and Exercise in a Weight-Obsessed World. Uh, Dr. Newmark Steiner has received a number of awards from her work and, as I said, is a leading figure in the field. So, Diane, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, in the intersection of concerns about eating disorders and obesity is a topic of, of great interest, um, but not that many people are working on it. Can you start off by explaining why it's important to think about what happens at the intersection of those two things? Well, what we know from looking at research is that many, many young people, in fact, the majority of young people, have some type of eating or weight-related problem. We hear a lot about obesity, a lot in the media, and we should be hearing a lot about obesity because approximately a third of our young people are, um, are overweight. What we hear about less is the other side of the equation, eating disorders and disordered eating behaviors, body dissatisfaction, low levels of physical activity, poor dietary intake. I include all of those as different weight-related problems. So what we see is that about, about two-thirds of young girls are engaging in unhealthy weight control behaviors, are dissatisfied with their body weight, and among boys, we see, we see lower numbers, but also high numbers. We also have a much smaller percentage of young people who have serious eating disorders, anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating disorder. And while the numbers are considerably lower than, than those young people who are obese, the consequences of these conditions are very severe for the individual and for his or her family. Okay, so with all the focus on obesity, there are lots of public health approaches that have been considered like uh, weight report cards that go home to parents and things like that. And I'd like to come back to that and then get your opinion on those sort of things. But I know you're undertaking a major project now looking at um, weight, weight, uh, weight gain prevention, but also prevention of eating disorders at the same time. Can you explain a little bit about the project? Yeah, well, um, we have a couple of projects going on. One of them is called Project EAT, and in that study, we are learning more about the intersection between these conditions in a large population-based study of adolescents and young adults. And one of the things that we've seen from this study is that the conditions often overlap and cross over from one to another. So, for example, an overweight young person is at risk for disordered eating behaviors and poor body image. There's also crossover. So young people who are engaging in dieting behaviors and unhealthy weight control practices are actually placing themselves at risk for becoming overweight over, um, over a period of time. So what's happening is a bit ironic. Young people are engaging in behaviors that they think will be helpful 
but they turn out to be harmful. So these data have led us to another project which we're working on, which is an intervention project called New Moves. And New Moves is designed to meet the needs of young adolescents, um, not, I'm sorry, not young adolescents, adolescent girls in, in high schools, could be done in middle schools, and it is run as an all-girls physical education program. We target girls who don't feel comfortable in the co-educational environment, in a competitive environment, and try to provide an environment for them where they will feel comfortable being physically active, talking about issues of self-esteem and body image, and providing them with an alternative to dieting, so really taking a non-dieting approach to healthy eating. So is, is the idea that engaging in this healthy constellation of behaviors could end up preventing both obesity and eating disorders? That is absolutely the idea. Right. And even more so, we te- take a step back and we say, if young people feel better about themselves and their bodies, they will be more likely to engage in behaviors which hopefully will prevent this broad spectrum of weight-related problems. Has there been any other previous work looking at this in the way you are, sort of this comprehensive way of trying to deal with eating disorders and obesity at the same time? Well, in Boston, um, in the Boston area, the program Planet Health was implemented. And Planet Health was designed solely as an obesity prevention program. But they took a very smart approach. They did not focus on weight per se, but they focused on behaviors. So they focused on watching less television, being more physically active, eating more fruits and vegetables. Um, and what they found in a, in a post hoc analysis, Dr. Bryn Austin conducted an analysis to see if the program had led to changes in disordered eating behaviors such as laxative use, diet pill use, et cetera. And what they found was that this type of approach was actually helpful in decreasing the prevalence of disordered eating behaviors. And this work was so important because it really, it led to two conclusions. One is that if obesity prevention programs are done well and focus on behaviors rather than on weight per se, they may have the the added benefit of preventing disordered eating behaviors and perhaps risk for eating disorders down the road. The second important thing is that um, what Dr. Austin showed was that it's crucial to have an evaluation piece within obesity prevention programs that assesses potential harms. So if, you, if a person were putting together an obesity prevention program, obviously one of the things you would suggest is to avoid a strong focus on weight. Are there other things that you'd recommend be done to help, help allay the concerns with um, increasing eating disorders risk? Well, I will say that we're still learning this. This is a very new area. Um, for our new MOVES project, we have put all of our materials, our philosophy, our evaluation tools online. And um, I can give that website if people are interested. They can go there and get some ideas and feel free to use the materials. The website is www.newmovesonline.com. So www.newmovesonline.com. Um, I really 
suggest, based on based on what we know, um, taking the approach that you want to do good and do no harm. So I really love the idea of helping young people feel good about themselves. It's so hard in our society to to be overweight, particularly as a young as a young woman. And we need to come from the point of view that these girls already know that that's not a good thing. So how can we help them feel comfortable with themselves? And how can we provide them with the support to make healthy choices? So we think about how to make healthy choices, the easy choices, whether that's at home, at school, or in the community. And Unfortunately, much of what goes on in our society works in the opposite way where the unhealthy choices are the easy choices. Well, it sounds like you have a strong focus on physical activity as part of your approach, too. Our New Moves program is built primarily as a physical education program. We chose to do that based on a needs assessment in which the young people that we interviewed talked about how hard it was for them in the regular physical education program. And... um, in many schools, this is a requirement. You have to take physical education for one or two semesters in order to graduate. This was sometimes a stumbling block for, for these young people. So it makes a perfect environment to go in and turn this into a positive experience for young people who may not be getting physical activity elsewhere. And how far along are you in the New Moves project? We are... Um, we're basically done right now. We have completed our, our um, we've just completed a randomized control trial where we worked with 12 schools in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Um, and we implemented the program. We carried out our evaluation. And now what is happening is those schools are implementing the program or parts of the program on their own. Well, that's a very good sign. The schools see value enough to continue it on their own. The program really fills a niche for for this segment of the population. Um, in our analyses, 100% of the girls and the parents said that they would recommend the program to other people. So is it too early to have any results available from the project? Well, our results will be coming out in in the November in November in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine. Oh good. Well, we look forward to seeing those. So let me ask a question about some public policy proposals. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I um, will end up at similar meetings, sometimes obesity-related ones and sometimes eating disorders ones. And when you, prop- when you talk about some public health thing like menu labeling or body mass index report cards coming home from the schools, uh, you get much different reactions to them depending on what camp you're in and which kind of meeting you're going to. So I'd love to hear your opinions on these. So let's start with the BMI report cards, begun first in Arkansas, but now being done in some other places. The schools record height and weight on children, then send information back to the family to let them know the weight status of their children. And there are varying levels of additional information that go back with them. But I'm curious about your impression of whether you think this is overall is likely to be helpful or harmful, knowing that it's speculation because we don't have a lot of data on it yet. I think this is an example of a well-intentioned but potentially quite dangerous action. Um, I think that schools are trying to do something with regards to obesity prevention 
This seems like a good idea. It seems relatively easy, but I have very large concerns about it based on the reactions that I have received from the field, from healthcare providers, from parents, and from youth. So, um, first of all, we really do not know if this helps and this could be harmful. It depends how it's done. Um, so, so let me respond on a few levels. First of all, I think it is a Band-Aid approach. I think that if we really want to work toward obesity prevention, and I do believe that schools have a very valuable role to play in this, um, we need to think how it can be most effective. And what we think would be most effective is really changing the eating environment and the physical activity environment within schools to make healthy choices, the easy choices, as I said before. Sending home a report card with telling parents that their child is overweight is probably not going to help. Secondly, um, I have heard numerous healthcare providers talk about the negative impact of this on their patients, where they received a report card, um, it went home, the natural result was to go on a diet, either the parents encouraged a diet or the child felt upset and went on a diet. And this did actually lead to um, an eating disorder. Was it the only thing that led to the eating disorder? Probably not, but it, it seems to have contributed. Um, additionally, the evidence suggests that encouraging children to diet and going on a diet, which are probably going to be the first reactions to getting this report card home saying that you're overweight, actually have been shown to lead to weight gain over time. So I see this as an action that has not been properly evaluated and based on, on the reports that I have gotten can be very dangerous. So I would not recommend doing this. Okay. Well, it's very interesting to hear your impression of that. And, and I agree definitely that they haven't been evaluated and they were put in, into place before they were evaluated, which is, is a shame. So both, if, both from a public health preventive point of view, you'd like to know whether there's enough benefit to justify whatever harm has occurred. And of course, you want to know what harm might occur, and then you could you know, make a decision. But it doesn't seem to me like that, that, that there's much data on that. Do you agree? I mean, I, I'm not Oh, aware. I totally agree. And I've been at, at conferences, and um, in fact, there was a panel on this, and one person who was supportive of doing it said, we know that we're going to, how did he say it? We know that we're going to sacrifice some, some cases, that there will be some children who go on to develop disordered eating behaviors and eating disorders. But because of the the high prevalence of obesity, we're willing to to make the sacrifice for the better, you know, the good of the population. And um, I'm just not willing to make that sacrifice, nor do I think it's the way to go. Okay, well, good. Well, thanks. Let's talk about another public policy intervention, menu labeling in restaurants, where there's national law that will soon take effect where all restaurants around the country, chain restaurants with 20 or more outlets, will have to post calories on their menu boards or on their menus. This began in New York City, but then it spread around, and as I said, will soon be national. Do you have concerns about this? You know, I have mixed feelings about this policy. Again, I feel as though it's being implemented without being properly evaluated and in fact, some of the evaluations that have come out have, you know, there have been some small evaluations have not suggested that it has um, 
the proper impact, the impact that we'd like to see. Um, my other concern is I would love to have more than just calorie information. So I do think that we need more information on how to, you know, on how to make choices. Um, and one of the, the difficulties is that it's easy to give calorie information. It's a little harder to give nutrient information. If we could come up with a good nutrient nutritional index score, that's really what I'd like to see so that a person isn't making the choice just based on calories. So, um, for example, you know, I might look at two things like um, a candy bar has 250 calories and um turkey sandwich, let's say, has 450 calories, and I just might choose the candy bar, but of course I'm going to be hungry after that, so I might end up eating more. Um, one of the, the things that I do think will be a benefit of this practice, and, and we've talked about this, is that it may lead to restaurants changing the energy intake of their foods, um, either by having less fat, less sugar, um, more, more vegetables, um, or smaller portion sizes. So to me, that seems like the largest potential benefit. Okay. So let's end with the following question. If, if you were advising the White House uh, or government officials in general about doing obesity prevention, which is obviously a national priority now, um, in an effective and sensitive way that doesn't create other consequences that aren't intended, what sort of guidelines would you recommend? Would you, what would you recommend they be concerned about? Well, um, first of all, I would recommend that we really take an ecological approach where we are addressing the issue at many different levels, um, public policy, community, school, family, peer, individual. So we're not placing the blame on the individuals, but really working to to make an environment where it is easier for, for people of all socioeconomic um, levels to engage in healthier behaviors. And secondly, I would I would really try to keep the focus away from weight um, and put it more on a global picture of health so that weight may be one of the driving forces, but it is not the only thing that we need to be concerned about, and it does have the potential for stigmatization. So I'd really put the focus on, um, on healthy eating behaviors, healthy physical activity behaviors, limited sedentary activities, and overall promotion of a positive self-esteem and body image. Okay. Well, thank you very much. This is a very important perspective to be heard. And the nice thing about your perspective is you back it up with really wonderful research. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Our guest today was Dr. Diane Newmark-Steiner, professor in the Division of Epidemiology and Community Health and adjunct professor in the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Minnesota. Please visit our website, www.yalerudcenter.org, and you'll find a variety of resources there, including a free email newsletter that goes out monthly and a list of other podcasts that have been recorded with excellent guests who have joined us. Thank you.